Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a six-part series titled Finding Favor. Here is this week's message from our pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. Uh, Give it up for the worship arts ministry. At all of our campuses, for that matter, I trust by faith that the worship arts ministry has been awesome at Garner. Amen? And at the coffee house and all those different venues, welcome to one, welcome all the lovely ladies at NCCIW in Raleigh and all of those on the other side of the camera for the television ministry and the virtual community uh, with our iCampus every Sunday night, by the way, at 8 p.m. There's a great community that logs on New Hope NC Live. .org and they experience it and they chat and they pray and they, they respond in the offering and it's just really, really a cool thing. Welcome one, welcome all. Hey, if you're, if you're new here, we are in part three of a series called what, church? <laughs> you guys are awesome. Called Finding Favor. And um, we're continuing in this series and there's just a high, high level of engagement and intentionality and passion for this. In week one, I talked about uh, basically just a favor foundation. And in week one, maybe the key takeaway, if you will allow me just to review for a moment, is this. God loves to elevate. There's a key word, church. Favor is about elevation. Amen? God loves to elevate those who fall in love. We just sang about it. Fall in love with the king rather than the king's blessings. In other words, God loves to elevate those who love God just because he's God. Not because of what he's done for you lately or what he's not done for you lately. And I'm going to I'm going to really come back to that toward the end of the message. But that was that was point number one. Big takeaway from week number one. The second week I I talked about this and this was just last week. And I and I had a flip chart and I I grew I, I drew down on the board the way in which God gives us opportunity from on high And the way in which as we live our life, if we live it in preparation, there is this magical, mystical, powerful, transformative moment when the preparation meets God's opportunity and divine sparks of God's favor just start to explode and fly in a person's life. And you might recall that in this preparation part, I basically talked about two different ways in which we prepare for favor. Confession and repentance. I hope and pray you've maybe confessed your sin more this week than you did before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church has lost this art of confession and then we live in this broken relationship with God. God is holy, amen, church? And when I'm not, the relationship is broken. And the relationship is restored when I confess and repent and turn from my sin And in that point, I actually used David as the example, the great David in the Bible. And and I shared the story, and you know it if you grew up in the church at all. David actually had an affair with Bathsheba. And then he killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, put him on the front lines and and killed the dude. Just to kind of get out out of being busted for getting the dude's wife pregnant. Okay? And I took you to Psalm. And in the book of Psalm, Psalm 51... We looked at this verse. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Let's continue. The sacrifices of God are a a broken and contrite heart. 
Oh God, will you will not despise. My bad. Oh God, you will not despise. Now leave that up there for a moment. The sacrifices of God are what, church? A what? A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Listen, here's the first thing I want to say to you today. I'm going to talk about brokenness. God loves to give favor on those who value brokenness. Now you're like, dude, I don't want to be broken. Why would I want favor? You're going to, you, know, you, might, you might decide when this message is over, listen, I don't know that I want favor. Right? Some of you are so engaged in the favor series because you think that favor is necessarily going to mean that your life is going to get easier. You, some of you are here and you want favor because you think favor necessarily means a six-digit income. Or a big this or big that or more toys or more that or a perfect health. And it does mean that at times. But listen, you can't define and put God in a box. God gives favor as God wants to give favor. He's not a genie in the bottle. But here's what you really need to know. Here's what you really need. When you get favor, God's favor, it often means that your life doesn't necessarily get easier, beloved. It can actually get more difficult. Favor does one of my greatest quotes, I mean, guys, write this down. It might be in your teaching notes. And by the way, if you haven't taken out your teaching notes, what are you waiting on? Grab your teaching notes, tear that off, get your pen. I, can, I mean, who, who would listen to this kind of topic and not take notes? One of my greatest quotes of, of all time, one of my favorite quotes, I should say, and you need to just sit on this one, marinate in this one all week long, is by a man by the name of Alan Redpath. And Alan Redpath said this, When God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. Lord Jesus, you got that right. Lord Jesus. When God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and woman and crushes. This is exactly what God did to David. Now, here's what I've discovered in walking with Christ for 23 years. I've discovered that there are two kinds of brokenness. There's voluntary brokenness and there's involuntary brokenness. And I don't know about you, but I've actually discovered that it's far better to engage and embrace voluntary brokenness as opposed to involuntary brokenness. I don't know. Have you ever heard this saying, hey, learn from your own experiences? Have you heard that? Yeah. I got an idea. I'll learn from other people's experiences. You know, you know, come on. I don't want to learn from my own mistakes in life. I want to learn from others. And because we live in a broken world, a sin scarred world, a fallen world, there's brokenness everywhere. Have you noticed this? And not only is there brokenness everywhere, there's brokenness all up in my life. Like Benji's life. Like some of you wonder how I always come up with stuff to say up here. Here's how I do it, by the way. Uh, I just look at all the mess in my own life. All my own needs. All my own brokenness. All my own hurt. All my own desires for fulfillment and peace and purpose. I'll never run out of stuff to say to you if I just keep looking at all the weakness and brokenness in my own life. And so for me, I've actually learned to actually engage in voluntary brokenness 
whereby God then shapes me and transforms me into the man he's calling me to be so that I can receive his favor. Now, we've been studying the book of Esther. And in Esther, we, we, you know the story if you've been here the last few weeks. Esther has brought before King Xerxes because Queen Vashti disobeyed the king. And we've kind of been looking at, if you haven't figured it out yet, we've kind of been looking at Esther kind of as an analogy for favor and what we find in, in the Bible. And, and if, you, if you read Esther, what you find is that there are certain protocols of the palace. Esther had to follow certain protocols of the palace to come before King Xerxes. The palace of King Xerxes had a protocol. And as far as we can tell, Queen Esther was the only woman who really, who really learned the, the, the protocols of the palace and actually followed them. Now, when you think about it, guys, protocol is important. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I would venture to guess that all of you who you live in a house or you live in an apartment, there, there are protocols to your place. And you know when somebody busts up in your joint and they start breaking your protocols, right? Amen. Protocols are important, man. About seven years ago, my wife and I went to Europe for our 10-year anniversary. And uh, we, we went by Buckingham Palace. And Buckingham, how many of you have been to Buckingham Palace? Yeah, and, and you, if you haven't, you've seen it. And at Buckingham Palace, they got some protocols. And at Buckingham Palace, they have these red guards. Have you seen the red guards with the big black hats? And they stand out front of Buckingham Palace. And we're out there, and it's hot, and we're in this long line. And I, I'm not a very patient kind of guy, and I'll talk about that in a moment too. And, 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 so I, and I'm also, you might not know this about me, but i got a feeling you probably do. I, I don't like stiff formality. I don't, I don't do well with, with uh, stoic, stiff formality. And so we're sitting there, and this dude is standing by the door that we're waiting to get into. And um, uh, against my wife's best wishes, I decided I was going to go up and try to talk to him. I'd never been there before. I didn't know what was up. And, so I, and when I tried to talk to him, homeboy didn't acknowledge me. And I, I, I started to wonder, like, is he breathing? I want to put a feather up under his nose. Because I couldn't tell if he was breathing. I, I, I didn't see him blink. And so I, I, I proceeded to come up to, to the dude, the guard, and I tried to have a stare-off contest with him. <laughs> I learned very, very quickly there are protocols to the Buckingham Palace, baby. And if I didn't get myself in line, Amy Lynn was going to be going into the palace without me. I learned the hard way. There are protocols to the palace. And what I want to talk to you about today is just a few of those. Here's the first one. Behaviors of voluntary brokenness. Protocols to the palace, if you will. Number one, patience and solitude. Write it in. Patience and solitude. Got any patient people up in the house this morning? I am not a patient person. So this is a hard one for me. Maybe you've heard the poem before. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman and never in a man. <laughs> right? Right, ladies? We know. Okay? We know. Patience is hard, man. I just, I, I've always struggled with patience. And what we find when we read the book of Esther, and we kind of looked at this a little bit last week, Esther had to prepare. She had to be patient before she went before the king for how long? Somebody bless me and tell me you remembered it. Twelve months, exactly. For a year. Look at what the Bible says. Before a girl's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete twelve 
months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. And Esther, what? What church? One favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. She found favor. But she had to be what? Patient. Are you willing? Here's the question. All you favor finders in here. Are you willing to wait for it? See, some of you want favor and you like want it yesterday. Are, are you willing to wait a year for it? Are you willing to develop the holy habits that are required? The disciplines that are required that ultimately put you in the place of finding God's favor. Listen, church, the Persian kingdom under King Xerxes stretched from India to Ethiopia. 127 provinces, 23 nations on as many as three continents. Listen, Persian protocol required that the kings of the defeated armies, the subservient kings would line up in a long progression, procession, if you will, humbled with the money from the battles, if you will. And there was protocol after protocol after protocol. And it took them often months before they ever got before the king. And many, many, many did not ever get there. By the time people actually made it into King Xerxes' throne room, they knew they were in the presence of a powerful ruler. Part of the lesson of the protocol is the importance of waiting. Of actually learning how to be patient. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 40. <laughs> Isaiah 40. You know this scripture? Those who wait upon the Lord. Let's read it out loud. Ready? But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Beloved, that sounds like favor to me. Leave it up there. They shall what? They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Everybody say favor. They shall run and not be weary. Favor. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's favor. That's favor. But what's the first, first part say? They who wait. Like guys, again, I, you know, I tell you about my weaknesses and my stuff. There's so much of it. I'm not a patient guy. Like, can I just let you know, my definition of hell on earth is a visit to the Department of Motor Vehicle. Dude, and if you work there, I am sorry. Y'all need to get that place in order. I, that, that's hell on earth, man. DMV, I can't stand that joint. I am not a patient guy, but can I let you know this? Listen, some things are worth waiting for. And it's not my daggum license plate. But some things are truly worth waiting for. And the Lord... And his favor is definitely one that is worth waiting for. If someone, listen, if someone or something is truly important, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Oh, 
often people would wait for days or weeks or months to have an appointment with King Xerxes. And often Christians, listen, they want favor, they want blessing, they want this, but they forego it because they refuse to wait for it. Listen, wise believers understand the importance of learning how to wait. Here's the deal, church. We wait for that which we value. We wait. And here's what I've also discovered. True patience is waiting without worrying. Oh, oh. See, some of you are like, all right, I'll wait. I'm patient. But you're worried the whole time. You're stressed out. And again, I don't always get this, but here's one thing I've learned, man, as I just continue to walk with Christ. True, true patience is waiting without worrying. It's resting in God. Here's the other thing I've learned. These are some points that just, I've just kind of discovered. Waiting is a form of worship. Think about that for a moment. Waiting on God, not in the DMV. Because <laughs> that does not put me in the presence of God, I'm just saying. Waiting is a form of worship. And if you remember anything from this week, the whole message, the whole, the whole point of this message is that the patience is so important for receiving the favor. And what you do while you wait are the foundational building blocks. For God to build up the man, build up the woman that he wants to ultimately give favor to. It's, it's patience. It's, it's silence. That's the other thing. That other, other blank was patience and silence. Henry Nouwen said this, silence is the way to make solitude a reality. See, not only are we bad at waiting, we're, we're, not, we're not that good at silence. Right? Right? Silence and solitude, waiting on God is so critically important. And guys, because I'm not very good at this, here's what I've had to do. And I've been doing this for about four years now. I go down to this retreat center on the um, north side of Greensboro. It's actually about an hour north of Greensboro toward Virginia. And it, it, it's, a, it's called St. Francis. And uh, somebody turned me on to it. It is a Catholic retreat center. And um, there, there's, a, uh, there's uh, several people that work there that I have become close friends with. Uh, one is Sue. She works the front desk. The other is Louie. I call him Louie, but his technical name is Father Louie because he's a priest. But the Bible tells me not to call any man father, so I just call him Louie. Um, so, but Louie and I are tight, man. We're buddies. And so um, I go there, and I, I've been going. I go, I go often about once a quarter, sometimes more, but never any less. And I go for a couple of days, and I love this place because it's in this beautiful setting, and it's, it's like cheap, man. It's like it's a Catholic retreat center, so it's like 70 bucks a night, and it's all three meals. And I tell them always, hey, I don't want to talk much, so they leave me alone. That's what's great about it. And uh, they do come and talk to me a little bit at, at the meals that they provide. The food's good. The, 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 the retreat facility is awesome. And, and about, I don't know, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, I was there and I was, I was trying to be quiet and I was trying to develop some solitude, you know, stripping everything away but God. And um, I wasn't doing very good at it. And I, you normally don't get phone coverage there, but I walked through this trail because I normally jog this trail that's up in the woods. So I took my phone, and I wasn't going for a run like I typically do. I took my phone because I was going to walk until I found phone coverage. Because it's like in the hills, man, going toward Virginia. And so fine, there I am in the middle of the woods, man, and I got my, I got my iPhone out, and I finally got coverage, and I, 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 I Googled movie theaters. And, and I found a movie theater about 15 miles away, and I found the times, and I'm like, score. And I, and I went back in and, and I did a little more, you know, quiet time. And then I decided um, I'm actually going to do this. I know it's not a part of the plan, but I'm, I'm going. 
I'm going to the movie. I, I can't take it anymore. And so um, th- it was about 8 o'clock at night, so I slipped out a side door. And I, <laughs> I slipped out a side door, and, and I, I cranked the car, and I, I left out the long, winding driveway just as quietly and slowly as I could. And I got to the highway, and I turned the lights on, and cut the music up, and put the windows down, baby. It was going to the movies. Went to the movie. Popcorn, Coke. So I'm supposed to be fasting on this thing too. And um, um, <laughs> it was kind of a fast. I mean, it was, you know, kind of. And I'll talk about that Wednesday night at the membership meeting. We're about to go into Lent. And I, fasting is important to me despite what I just said. Um, and, <laughs> and so I went to the movies, man. Loved it. It was awesome. I mean, it was incredible. And so I got out. And like I said, it was about an 8.30 movie or so. And so I got out and I go back to the retreat center. And um, I come down that long gravel driveway and, and I cut my lights off. So they wouldn't see me coming. And I and I pull into the parking place and I park and I get I, I feel like I'm a teenager again, dude. I used to do this stuff when I was a teenager. And I got out and I, I shut the door quietly. And I walked up the, the long sidewalk to the to the front door because I knew the side doors were closed at that point in time. And as soon as I went to put my hand on the door to open the door, the door came flying open and there was Father Louie and he said, Benji. He said, where have you been? <laughs> I'm a 40-year-old man. I feel like I'm busted as a teenager. And I said, Louis, I went to a movie. <laughs> and he said, Benji. That's how he says my name. Benji. You might not know this, but our curfew is 10 p.m. <laughs> yes, Father Louis. Yes, Father Louis. <laughs> Silence and solitude are hard, man. But here's what I have found. Silence is the way to make solitude a reality. And some of us, listen, just kind of get serious for a moment. Some of us are so busy, and I'm included. I'm right there with you. This is why I do this. I just strip my calendar, and I plan it out in advance. And sometimes I let things interfere, but hopefully and mostly I don't. We are on such a rat race in life. You are. See, I know that about you. And if you don't, Figure out ways to be patient and wait on the Lord. If you don't figure out ways to mute the noise. You parents, you parents of young folks, you, you, you know what? Sometimes you just want silence. You know, just give me silence. One of the key disciplines of a believer who's maturing in the faith is actually learning how to mute it. And often you need a place, and you need a space, and you need time. And what you do when you get there and you develop this patience to wait upon the Lord, and you spend time with just God. Like, like that was not a good thing that went down for my retreat. I mean, I went back and I kind of got back on track, but, but you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about finding that time where God speaks directly to me and I'm in this relationship with God because you've got to remember this. Favor is about God's glory. You hear that? Sometimes we're thinking about, no, it's not about my glory. It's about God's glory. And often what God has to do to me in the silence and in the solitude when I'm all alone with Him is that's when He gets me out of the way. See, I can be moving so fast in life, talking so fast, doing this, doing that. So can you. Raising kids, getting them here, getting them there, paying bills, doing this. That I don't have time with just my Lord. 
for Him to shape me and change me. Here's the second behavior of voluntary brokenness. It's praise. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get excited about this one because God just rocked me to the core this week about this subject. And it happened because I was in the Psalms. Remember, we were in Psalm 51 earlier, but I came across Psalm 100, one of my favorite Psalms. I learned something this week, guys, that I've never, ever discovered before. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Go. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with give thanks to him and praise his name. One more time, church. Go. Enter his gates with And his courts with give thanks to him and praise his name. I was stating in the beginning that there is this protocol to entering into the palace in the book of Esther. There was this protocol to entering into the holy of holies in the Old Testament. And there is this protocol to entering into this relationship with God whereby I get favor from God. And I guess because I've been studying the book of Esther and I've been thinking about the palace architecturally and the landscape and all that went into these palaces and the Holy of Holies, by the way, I actually realized something that I've never realized before. Enter his what? Gates. With what? And his? With what? Praise Garner. I just know you're reading it out over there. I can just hear you from over here in Durham. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Guys, in the palace, there, there's a gate that just gets you onto the premise. The, 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 if you just get in past the gate, beloved, you don't get too close to the God who wants to give you favor. The Bible says enter his gates with thanksgiving, but enter his what? courts with praise there is a big difference between thanksgiving and praise hello thanksgiving is me thanking god for what he has done for me and that's important i mean i kind of you know every year i sit up here around thanksgiving on this stage and i tell you that thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it's kind of void of the crass commercialism of christmas etc etc i love thanksgiving but what i realized this week is that thanksgiving is one thing and praise is entirely another Thanksgiving gets me on to the premise of the palace. Thanksgiving is me saying, God, thank you for that which you have done for me. Praise, church. Praise is worshiping and praising God, not for what he has done, but for who he is. There is a big, big difference. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We have a tendency, come on, to think thanksgiving is all that. And it is something, but it pales in comparison to what it means to praise God. Not because of what you've done for me lately, God. Not because of this or not because of that, but I'm going to praise you. Favor finders praise God regardless for who he is. It's unbelievably different and powerful. If you want to find favor, church, with the king of kings, stop thanking him just for what he's done. God is not some kind of slot machine that you're supposed to give a little bit and he's supposed to give you this. Favor finders actually realize that it doesn't matter what God does for me. God is God. And because he is God, I'm going to praise him regardless. Go to the book of Revelation. If you're going to clap, you better clap, church. That's patty caking. That's patty caking. Go to the book of Revelation. John would write about this in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Revelation. 
Revelation. Not revelations. Just a pet peeve of mine, sorry. Revelation 4, verses 8 through 11. If you're ready for the word, say amen. amen. Listen to this visual. Listen to this image. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who what? Sits on the throne and who lives what? Forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive what church? Glory and what? Honor and what power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Praise. Listen, listen. If you don't like to praise God now, you're going to hate heaven. Day and night. They're praising God. They're, 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 they're praising Him with a kind of brokenness. A kind of brokenness whereby they pour out their lives and their voices and their bodies and everything that they have day and night, church. Not just on Sunday. They're living a life of praise offering. And when you live with that kind of life, when you pour yourself out and you praise God, not thank God, but you praise God for whether He's done something for you or not, whether you're in a good storm or a bad storm, whether you're in a good season or a bad season, you praise Him. And when you praise Him, He says, there's a candidate for my favor. The word, the, the Greek word for praise, proskuneo. Proskuneo literally means to fall. Listen. Or crouch, prostrate before the Lord in reverence and adoration. That's what the elders did. I, um, you know, I, I, I just, I just hate the part in life about my kids getting older. I, I, I struggle with this. I, you know, maybe I just need to deal with it. And, but I love little kids. And I love my big kids. So don't get me wrong. But in, in my memory bank, I have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of, of tender moments stored in my mind of... Of my kids just crawling up into my lap. My one precious daughter and my four boys crawling up into my lap. And, and those sweet, soft, tender fingers kind of rubbing the, my face. And, and, and them coming up and, and at certain times just hugging me and, and kissing me. Why? Because they love their daddy. And, and, and it happened even last night. You know, Joshua's still kind of little. There, there's something about those moments when the, when the child is with the parent. When, when the child is perfectly content just being with their dad or being with their mom. 
And so last night I read, I read Joshua book. It happened just like that. I read him a book. Five speckled frogs on a speckled log. I think that was the name of the book. And it doesn't matter what the name of the book was. I, I read him the book and, and I put the book down. And so I'm laying on the bed with him. We're kind of face to face. And, and Joshua's just he's, just, he's just touching my face. And, and in, in this memory bank, I'm telling you, I just got so many of these tender, tender moments where... Where they say either, you know, on their own or as a response. Last night it was a response. I said, I said, Josh, I, I love you. And, and he said, I love you. <laughs> I, I love you, Daddy. And right before I left, I said, Josh, do you need anything? And with his hand on my face, right after he just said, I love you, Daddy. He said, no, I, I, don't, I don't need anything. Now, now, what Joshua doesn't realize and what, what none of my kids really realize is in those tender moments, they could have asked me for anything, beloved, and I would have given it to them. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he could have said, yeah, Dad, why don't you go empty your bank account? And I think I would have done it. You know, I- anything. How, how much more is it with us and our relationship with God when we so praise Him and we so worship Him. And we so love God. Guys, I'm talking about with our hearts. I'm talking about with our minds. I'm talking about with our strength. I'm talking about everything. And we don't love Him and we don't praise Him for what He's going to do. We just love Him and praise Him because of who He is. How much more? Follow me. How much more do you think God then wants to look down upon that man and upon that woman and give you whatever you need, whether you know you need it or not? See, guys... This is why I I don't like kids growing up because adolescence kind of puts peer pressure on kids. And, and, you know, it kind of starts to curtail their affection for dad, for mom. You go through seasons. I know it comes back, but but I can't can't stand that. But, But here's the truth. It happens with you and me as adults, with God. We slip into this kind of inhibited relationship with God where the forces and the powers that be curtail our love relationship. With almighty God. Don't let it happen. If you want to be a favor finder. By the way this comes from spending time with God alone. This silence and this solitude. If you want to be a favor finder. Be an extravagant worshiper. And praiser of God. Extravagant worship and praise. Places us in the perfect posture. For finding favor. Let me just say one more thing about favor. And go off on a little little side trail here with you for a moment. Praise is always positive and often futuristic. Praise is always positive and often futuristic. Here's the deal. Favor finders are not pessimistic, negative, critical, bitter, glass half full kind of people. If you know one of those persons, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure why this is the case, but here's the deal, guys. The church has been fertile breeding soil for a bunch of negative, eeyore, glass half full, bitter, resentful people. You aren't going to find favor if you are one of the... Why would God waste favor on you? Nobody wants to be around you. Why would God want to give you favor if you're that kind of person? Why would he waste that favor? Because God gives favor to give glory to God. And he gives favor so that the favor can fall off of you and on others and others can give glory to God. Why would he waste favor on you? 
If you are a compulsive complainer, a compulsive critic, man, I know I'm talking to some people in here. You just ain't going to admit it. If you are a compulsive, mean-spirited, negative individual, may I categorically tell you, you are not going to find favor with the king of kings. This cuts across all avenues, beloved. This is why my life verse. And by the way, my story, I don't have time to tell you all this. My story is that I came from a mother like this. I mean, I came from a mother, guys. Everything was negative. When I talked to her on the phone today, I, I confess. I mean, I just have to kind of sit there and listen because it's, it's, oh, oh. God, I pray she's not watching this. Mom, I love you. I love you. But you got to move on. You got to build a bridge and get over it. it, it listen, 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 listen. This is why my life verse, and y'all don't worry. Some of you are worrying. She doesn't watch this. She, 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 they don't have the computer. Um, and it's not on cable in Colorado. Um, listen, guys, this, this is so, this is why my life verse is Psalm 4, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 4.13. What? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you need an attitude adjustment or you will never find favor. If you are a student and you're trying to get passing grades or getting to a university, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you are a worker in the workplace and you feel God calling you to try to make it up the corporate ladder, listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you are a single person looking to marry a godly person and you think you can't do it, listen, I stopped by to tell you today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you are a parent and you're trying to raise a godly kid, listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't turn into some chicken little the sky is falling. You won't give favor. If you're sick. Oh, Lord, here's one. Some of you, the first time your nose starts to drizzle. And the first time your throat starts to, oh, I'm getting sick. Lift your head up and declare the praises of God over your life. Listen, church. You... You can, you can, greater is he that is in you than that stinking germ that's trying to get in your body. Lift your head and rock on for Christ. Claim the power of God in your life. Claim the praises of God in your life. And you watch, nine times out of ten, you'll defeat that stinking cold and you'll never miss a beat. Now, I'm not, not, don't, don't get the wrong impression. I don't like to have sick people working up in here, you know. Get to work! You know, no, no, no. I'm, they'll tell you the staff. I'm the one that'll say to the staff, go home, go home, go home. If you're sick, I, I know you got to get rest. And sometimes I, I proclaim that stuff and I still get sick. But you know what I'm doing then? I'm at home sick proclaiming the favor of God in my life that it will not keep me down long. I will rise to the glory and honor of God. It's all about perspective, church. You speak the praise of God in your life. I can do all things through Christ and strengthen me. If you're addicted to drugs trying to beat addiction, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you've rented your whole life and you want to buy a home and you don't think you can because nobody in your family has ever owned a home, listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you are overweight, underweight, or whatever weight, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was meeting with a dude just not long ago. And, and I was sitting with him, and we were having this meeting, and I told you I'm not a counselor. I'll mess you up. And this was not supposed to be a counseling. I'm really not. I'm bad. I'm bad. Like, I'm, never mind. Uh, um, 
And this turned into a counseling meeting. And the dude, it was just he and I, and he, he, he started just waxing eloquently. Well, you know, I grew up in this home, and my mom and dad did this to me, and my aunt did this to me. And, and I dropped out of high school and I never went to college and I got married and my first marriage didn't work and I got married again and my second marriage didn't work and I'm thinking about getting into this third marriage and I just lost my job and I don't know what to do and I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm listening and, I'm listening. and finally I made a suggestion. That was a good suggestion. No, it wasn't bad. I made a suggestion and I don't even tell you what the suggestion was but I made a suggestion and he goes, that could never really happen to me. You see, all this stuff that I've experienced, that's just the story of my life. You ever heard that saying? That's the story of my life. Might I declare to you, beloved, if that is the story of your life, you need a new director writing the script of your life. God wants to bless you and pull you out of situations that you might find yourself. Praise is positive. One more thing and then I'm done. It's also futuristic. In other words, what I mean by that is I praise God on a regular basis for the things that are not even uh, happening yet. I, I told you the first week how I've had many, many people, and my wife can tell this better than I can, who have come up to me in my life at various times. It used to blow her mind. Now she just shakes her head about it. Where people would speak favor into my life. I see you doing this. I see God using you like this. I see you having a great marriage, though you came from a broken marriage. I see you raising godly kids, though you have messed your life up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've had it happen time and time again. You know what that tells me, guys? Uh, here's the deal. I don't know that I would be standing up here before you today if those precious saints of God who had not come along me in a particular special seasons in my life spoke in favor in my life. Now, my point is this, guys. Listen for the believers in the house. This is not about you getting favor. All we've been talking about so far is about you getting favor. But let me just jump off of that for a moment. God can use you to speak favor. Over someone's life. God wants. And so when you hear that still small voice. Speak words to you. There's a, there's, a, there's a man of favor. There's a woman of favor. There's a young person of favor. Don't squelch that. Don't mute that. Follow the spirit's lead. And look somebody in the eye. When you can say it truthfully. And say I see God's favor on your life. I see blessings on your life. I see you doing this. And I see you doing that. Favor. Favor of God. Guys, let me wrap up with this. There's a lot of people in this world. And then there's the saved. And the saved are fewer than all the people in the world. Then there's this saved group. And of the saved group, there are those who tap into this favor. And I just want to remind you, I said it the very first week. Listen, God wants you to experience favor. He has that for you. But you will never get it unless you learn the the holy habits of God, the protocols of the palace, if you will, and you start to let God shape your life. You want some biblical examples? I think of Palm Sunday. We're about to get to Easter in about a month or so. And Jesus comes into Palm Sunday. You remember the story? He's on the back of a donkey. Some are praising him. Few are praising him. Most are not. Those who have favor know to praise God. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Matthew 17. Jesus goes up on top of the mountain. Who's he bring with him? Peter, James, and John, just three. And they experienced the Shekinah glory of God in Christ. Jesus didn't take the masses. He didn't even take the twelve. He took the three. Favor is reserved for those who put into practices the things of God and praise him and wait on him. Here's one more. You remember the woman in Luke 7? The woman who broke the alabaster jar? 
and, and worshipped and praised Jesus with her tears and the perfume from the alabaster jar. You remember? It's favor. It's praise. God loves to take those who, who are box-breaking worshipers, who, who embrace voluntary brokenness, wait upon the, God, the Lord and praise Him with every single thing that they have within them. A man by the name of Tommy Tenney tells a story. Tommy tells the story of sitting up one night late, wasting time like some of us do, and just surfing the channels, right? And he comes across this, this model makeover show. We've all seen these makeover shows. Some of them last, some of them don't. But Tommy tells the story of this model. She was a young woman, and she was trying to make it with this model agency. And so the whole show was about this journey that she was on, and her, her agents, her coaches had her, and, and they, they took her to a very fancy-smancy hair salonist, and, 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 and they started messing with her hair, and she's like, I don't like that style. Why are you doing that? I like my hair the way it was. And, and the agent said, hey, you've got to decide. Are you going to be a model or not? Because the way your hair is will not cut it. So she dealt with it, and they fixed her up, and, and then they, they went to her closet in her home, and they start saying, you don't look good in that color, and you don't look good in that color, and these clothes don't look good on you, and we're going to replace all these. And the woman got upset. She said, these are my favorite clothes. And again, they say, hey, you want to be a model or not? The choice is yours. Finally, they, they took her, and they started doing a makeover with her, and they started putting makeup on her, and same thing happened. And finally, they told her, they don't like the way you walk. And she couldn't take it anymore. True story. She just kind of broke down on the, on the set and asked for a break. And she went and called her parents. And she said to her parents, hey, I can't take this. They're trying to make me somebody that I am not. They made her walk. They made her learn how to walk. She said, I can walk just fine. They said, no, you can't be a model and clump up on the stage. So they gave her a box. And they taught her how to walk with a box on her head. And they... It was a long journey, but by the end of the, the episode, Tenny tells that this woman, he was awestruck by the unbelievable difference that had occurred in this woman. He could not believe how she looked differently. Listen, how she talked differently, how she walked differently. Beloved, if you will learn to wait upon the Lord, here is the reality. If you will learn to wait upon the Lord and praise him this day, and praise Him every day of your life, whether He has done something good for, your, for you or not. If you will learn to break open your life and allow the finger of God to carve His initials on the flesh wall of your heart, and you praise Him with everything that you have, there will come a day, I can promise you there will come a day, when they will say to you, you know, you don't look like you used to look. You... You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't even walk like you used to walk. And beloved, you will have found favor because God will have taken a wannabe and transformed him into a box-breaking worshiper who praises God day in and day out. Everyone worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing. But everyone worships something. 
Everyone has some ultimate thing that they centre their life around. Something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success or power. Or science or knowledge. Or beauty. Or popularity. For some, it's love or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says, all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies we keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the center, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves. Everyone worships, but we were made to worship just one. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.